0: What's up? Uh, welcome back to the Consciousness Explorers Podcast, the podcast that's all about adventuring through the mind body continuum using various practices. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff Warren, and with me is my friend Tasha Schumann. Yo, we're very happy to have you along.
1: So today we have Donna Ray. She's an internationally recognized teacher and trainer of the Feldenkrais Method and psychotherapist. She's the educational director of the Feldenkrais Institute of Vienna the director of Feldenkrais Southern California. And she's joining us from her private practice in Encinitas, California, where she's been doing this practice since 1985. So she leads us on a really, really awesome movement practice. I love discovering, you know, the wave-like quality of movement rather than these isolated, stiff, wooden movements.
0: Yeah, it was good to get out of our head on stick. You know, typical <laughs> seated meditation people were all about the mind. You know, it's like really nice to get into the body. What I found really interesting was first of all, there's just so many parallels with kind of a, what happens when we bring awareness into the body. So, this, the idea of the integration that happens there is not unlike what happens through a seated meditation practice, but just maybe more expanded, if anything. And then she talks a lot about pleasure as sort of a guiding light, as a a way of getting feedback about movement. And that's sort of something we get into towards the end. So I love this. I thought that was terrific. Let's hit it.
1: Welcome, Donna. It's such a pleasure to have you here.
2: My pleasure to be with you. I'm very excited to have this opportunity of sharing the Feldenkrais Method and what I've been up to for the last 40 years.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Jeff and I are super stoked because. We haven't had very much movement on the CEC podcast yet. So this is kind of our first foray into body practices. So just to start us off, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Feldenkrais method and and what we're in for?
2: Sure. Uh, Dr. Feldenkrais was a physicist, engineer, and a judo master. And over the course of his lifetime, he developed the Feldenkrais method. He certainly did not set out to do so. It was circumstantial. He was introduced to Kano in Paris, where he was working with the Curie family as a physicist. And he was really taken with judo. Prior to that, he had been a martial artist. And another part of his history that's really significant is that he had a severe knee injury when he was 19 playing soccer. So this knee injury flared up time to time. And he worked with himself, as he said, to organize himself through self-observation and very small movements. And he could visualize well because of his training and engineering. He understood movement from the point of view of physics and also from the point of view of being a judo master. So those ingredients developed in the practice of the Feldenkrais method over the years of his life. And so it's not a medical model, although the Feldenkrais method improves many different kinds of health issues, overcoming aches and pains, severe injuries, automobile accident recovery, and even anxiety and depression. Because the method pertains to how you organize yourself through movement, when you organize yourself well through movement, everything you do improves. Mm-hmm. But you get all of these benefits. It's it's pretty wild. We include breathing, how to stand, walk, run, jump, roll over, sit up anything you want to learn how to do, play tennis, golf, you name it, we can help you do that. That sounds awesome.
0: It's so interesting. Well, I'm curious how you got into it, just a little bit around, you know, your background and how long you've been practicing this and how, what its effect has been for you. I mean, we'll unpack all this afterwards in more detail, but just to kind of start us out.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking that. Um, in the 80s i was working on my master's degree in psychology and i i still am a licensed marriage and family therapist and as a you know very young person in my 20s i was working in a neighborhood counseling agency with children and their families and i saw that it was inadequate and in those days the primary question is you know how do you feel about that or how are you feeling and i was working with these kids and the that question seemed so, you know, it was irrelevant, frankly. So I started exploring approaches to see how we could make a difference in in the lives of people that really needed more functionality. And I took every workshop that there was out there, you know, primal scream, balancing chakras, you name it, I did everything. And it was a rich time for that. And I think I benefited and I learned a lot. And one of the things that I learned was what I didn't want to do. So when I took a three-hour introductory class in the Feldenkrais Method, I felt amazing. And there was no pain. There was no catharsis. It was gentle. It was self-observation. I stood tall. I moved so beautifully. And I didn't feel any discomfort emotionally or in my sensations. And even my thoughts were slower and more organized. And so I, you know, approached the instructor afterward and said, "How do I sign up for this?" And so I started the next Feldenkrais training, which began in the fall of 1983.
0: And you've been using it pretty much ever since,
2: nonstop. Wow, <laughs> nonstop. Cool. I have so many questions. Fanatic.
1: Go ahead. Uh, no, I mean we'll, we'll save the questions till after, but I'm like so curious about this.
0: So, can you tell us about the practice that you're going to guide us in then, right now?
1: Yes. So the Feldenkrais
2: method consists of two, I guess you could say, approaches. They're really one and the same, but when we're with an individual, we put our hands on people and we move them very gently. We're thinking about the nervous system and movement, all kinds of things, where the person is in space, how they understand where they are in space, right, left, up, down, inside out, all of the references to you know where we're located. And then organizing all of the joints, all of the parts of the skeleton, so they move together harmoniously. So we differentiate, we make something explicit to the brain, to the nervous system through very gentle movement. We link the parts until they're all moving harmoniously in an integrated way. So as I describe that, now we're going to make the leap to you doing that for yourself. And this is one of the aspects of the Feldenkrais method that's so beneficial, is that you can actually do this with yourself. You don't have to go to a practitioner. Now, of course, if you're an infant with cerebral palsy or you're having difficulties, you need to have a hands-on session. But if you can follow directions, then you can actually learn how to integrate yourself through movement. And that's what we're going to do. And it's called Awareness Through Movement.
0: Amazing. And it's going to be, this one will be Sitting Down. That's right. Mm -hmm. Is there anything people need to know about this, this practice before we get started?
2: Yes. If you're at home, the best way to set yourself up is on a chair that's relatively firm or a stool and to have your feet on the floor so that you can sit on top of your sitting bones. You don't want to be on a very soft sofa, for example, because it's very hard to find your skeletal movements if you're on a soft surface. Wherever you're sitting, you want to sit so that you come forward onto the edge of the chair and you feel your feet on the ground with your knees about as wide as your shoulders and you feel your pelvis resting on the platform that you're sitting on.
1: I'm sitting on a cushion on the floor. Is that okay?
2: Well, it would be probably better if you could sit on a chair. That way you won't have to translate the movements into sitting on the floor.
0: And I'm perched on the edge of my chair, like a very eager and attentive student looking for brownie points. We're going to put a gold star right here.
2: That must mean I have your full attention. CEC
0: Browner
1: <laughs> is right here.
2: <laughs> okay. So you're all set up to follow directions?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. Wonderful. So notice how you're sitting. Sense your feet on the floor, and as I said, have them about as wide as your shoulders. And then follow your feet up to your knees, and notice where your knees are located. Are they above your feet? And you may notice that you could have your feet far in front of your knees, or you could have your feet closer to your chair, which would mean they're behind your knees. So you want to place your feet underneath your knees, more or less. Every change that we make in our skeletal organization affects your entire self. So we're going to begin with this relatively balanced situation of your feet under your knees. And now that you're sensing your feet and your legs to your knees, move your attention from your knees to your hips, to your pelvis. And notice your breathing. Sense the weight of your pelvis on your chair. And you have these wonderful bones. They're your sitting bones. And if you round your back back just a little bit, notice how you go, you shift your weight a little bit back behind your sitting bones. And then if you lengthen your spine and erect yourself gently, you come up on top of your sitting bones. And if you lean your whole self forward, just a small amount, you'll be resting more on your thighs rather than your pelvis. So we're locating, we're actually locating the pelvis. And by the way, your pelvis is the center of gravity. So your pelvis is very important, and it pertains to balance, twisting, turning, bending, reaching, everything you do. So now sitting on your pelvis, again, notice your breathing. And notice when you breathe out. And after you breathe out, notice your inhalation continue to notice your breathing and by noticing your breathing you help regulate your nervous system so we we can rev up as you know or we can calm ourselves down and we want to find the middle ground so that we're not accelerating and we're not so so relaxed that we become noodle like we want to feel ourselves sitting tall, so to speak. Now, continue to sense your torso, your back, your belly, your chest, and every now and then, simply notice your breathing. Include your shoulders, your arms, and sense your hands, and rest your hands on top of your thighs. You can have your eyes open or closed. Now do a simple movement of looking to the right and back to the middle. You may have your eyes open or closed. If they're closed, turn to the right and then open your eyes and see how far you've turned and then come back to the middle. Notice how you do the movement. Now, bring your left hand in front of your eyes. And your eyes, again, they can be closed or you can be looking at your left hand. Your right hand is still resting on your thigh. And now, look at your hand and move your hand to the right and follow your hand with your eyes and with your head and your nose and move it to the right as far as what's comfortable. Never go beyond what's easy for you. And then come back to the middle with your hand and arm, your eyes, your head, and repeat that movement gently. Move your right hand, I mean your left hand, excuse me, to the right, and then back to the middle. And notice the difference in how you're turning when you include your left hand and arm. You may be sensing that now you're including your left shoulder, your chest moves to the right, and since your pelvis, sense your sitting bones, do you shift your weight a little bit to the right one when you look to the right following your left hand to the right. Now come back to the middle and place your left hand on your left thigh. Notice your breathing. And simply turn now to look to the right and notice how you do the movement. What are you noticing? And go ahead and tell me, what are you guys noticing?
1: For me, I'm noticing when I'm moving my head without my left arm, it's a lot easier. It feels like there's less restriction in my upper body, kind of just, my whole body is still and the head just kind of floats and turns. Whereas if I, if I'm using my left arm, there's resistance in my right shoulder and it's kind of like a whole corkscrew kind of feeling. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. Jeff, do you have a comment?
0: Actually not unlike that. Certainly the, with the arm, it's much more full bodied (laughs) there's more going on. Um, That that was mostly what I noticed. And, and uh, yeah, that's what I noticed.
2: Okay, we're going to continue with the experiment, and we'll I'll come back to your comments. Now bring your left hand in front of your face once again, and open your eyes and look at your left palm. Now move your left hand to the right, and only follow it with your eyes, but leave your head in the middle. Just a small movement the left hand to the right, your eyes move to the right, looking at your hand, and then bring your hand back to the middle. And repeat that again, move your left hand, look at your hand with your eyes, leave your head in the middle, and breathe easily and reduce the effort in your hand, in your left shoulder, even in your jaw, bring your hand back to the middle. Repeat that once again, only your eyes are moving to the right with your hand. Sense the length of your spine. And now come back to the middle. Rest your left hand on your left thigh. Now begin to move your eyes to the right and then allow your head to turn with your eyes to the right. And notice you go a little bit farther with less effort. Notice your breathing. And come back to the middle. And now sit in the middle and sense your left foot on the floor. Press your foot on the floor very gently and begin to turn to the right. It's as if your left foot is beginning the movements, it's, it's initiating the movement. So you push with your left foot, it turns your pelvis a little to the right, and your whole spine, like you said, spirals, and then you look to the right with your head and your eyes, and notice how far you turn now. And then come back to the middle with everything, and do that again, and do it lightly and a little bit more quickly. Just look to the right and come back to the middle, but you begin the movement by pushing with your left foot. And sense how your foot moves your head to the right. And then come back to the middle. And pause now and notice your breathing. Sense the difference between your left foot and your right foot on the floor. Does one feel heavier or more prominent? Now, simply turn to the left, and notice how you turn to the left and come back to the middle. And now from the middle, turn to the right, and sense the difference in how you turn to the right and to the left. And now what are you noticing?
0: Um, I'm noticing that there's I'm able to turn much further on the right both that started with by proceeding with the eyes and then using the head somehow it opened up the range of motion and then really with the left foot it kind of I could go a lot further and that left foot feels more activated and alive my left side feels more sort of awake
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'm noticing the same it's kind of like when I'm turning to the left now all of a sudden it's like I've forgotten how, (laughs) or it's like a brand new movement. It feels really kind of like stiff, whereas turning to the right, it's like a wave-like motion, like it feels really integrated.
2: Yes, and that's the key word, integrated. So by using your attention to different parts of yourself, we actually learn how to monitor and modify what's happening in the movement. By simply directing your attention, you invite different parts of yourself, more and more of yourself into any action that you're interested in doing. So let's clean up turning to the left. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to leave you, uh, okay. oh, you know, with this great ability to turn to the right and not to the left. So we're going to do something slightly different to activate integrated movement to the left, and that is using our... Imagination. Your imagination is very powerful. So sit as you are, comfortably on your sitting bones, and again, notice your feet, notice your legs, rest your hands on your thighs, observe your breathing, sense the length of your spine, your head resting, and close your eyes for a moment. If you're able to, if you're driving, of course you don't. But if you're able to, and you can close your eyes comfortably, do so. And now just imagine pressing the floor with your right foot. Imagine that. And notice when you imagine pressing the floor with your right foot, that you do a small movement. Anytime you imagine a movement, your nervous system is activated And your neuromuscular system actually begins to do what you're imagining, whether you want it to or not. So imagine pressing your right foot to the floor and turning to look to the left. But don't turn. Just imagine the movement. And now begin to include more detail. For example, you imagine pressing the floor with your right foot. And as you do that, imagine your left shoulder going back. And when your left shoulder moves back, your right one moves forward. So there's a slight turning movement in your chest, in your shoulders. And notice your breathing. And repeat that movement. Press the floor with your right foot. Sense your chest moving and move your eyes to the left. And come back to the middle. Breathe easy. No need to hold your breath. And then move your eyes to the left. Let your head turn a little bit now. Imagine pressing the floor with your right foot to begin the movement. That's it. Now bring your right hand in front of your face. And imagine moving your right hand to the left and your eyes following your hand as it moves to the left. And you may find that it's more difficult to imagine movements and prevent yourself from doing the movements than actually doing the movements. And it is more demanding of your brain because you're asking your brain to imagine doing something and you're inhibiting it at the same time. In the meantime, breathe easily. And now let yourself do the movement. Press the floor with your right foot, move your right hand to the left, and turn to the left, and notice how you turn now. How far do you turn to the left easily? And notice you even go farther to the left than you went to the right. Sometimes it's It's improving from the use of the imagination. And now turn once to the left and then once to the right and sense your whole self moving. Sense your spine, the length of your spine, the turning of your head. And make it light and easy and now Reduce the size of the ef- the movement and reduce the effort. So it's like a quick little movement of looking to one side, looking to the other side. It's quick. It's easy. Your feet are still in contact with the floor supporting you. Breathe easily. And then slow that down. Slow it down until you come back to the middle. And find yourself sitting comfortably on your chair, sensing your whole self from your feet, your legs, your pelvis, your spine, your head resting at the top of your spine, your hands resting on your thighs, and notice your breathing. Now, with your eyes open, sense your peripheral vision, the vision to the right and to the left. Notice how your vision has expanded. And what are
1: you noticing now? One thing that I'm noticing is paying attention to the detail of the movements and taking them slower and like activating the wave like. Motion of all these coordinated body parts, I'm using less extraneous muscles. Like, I'm not recruiting muscles I don't need to make the movement. I find, you know, like turning to the left or the right, I normally might use my obliques or might flex my shoulders in ways that brace myself or something. You know, it's like expended energy I don't need to use for that movement. And in paying attention to it, those areas are staying relaxed. And I'm actually just only using the joints and muscles that I need to make the movement.
2: You know, what you just described was so uh, beautifully part of the Feldenkrais method is that we reduce the muscular effort so that you only do what's necessary. And when you think about the course of your day and how much extraneous muscular effort is used and how fatiguing that is for people, you start to understand what efficient movement means. And it's so simple. We just used our attention to monitor what we were doing, as you said, looking at the details, sensing the details. And then this modification takes place because you have a very intelligent nervous system that wants to gravitate toward efficiency. So the improvements are quick and they're useful and you're learning how to learn through movement. So once you learn this, all you have to do is remember. And when you turn, you'll remember what it's like to move efficiently. And a lot of the muscular pain that we sense is due to the over contracted muscles. Mm-hmm. So, muscles get really sore because they're contracted and they stay contracted and they don't lengthen the way that they're supposed to be lengthening and shortening in an action. Slowing down, paying attention actually gives your brain the opportunity to restore the responsivity in your neuromuscular system.
0: So I am I want to kind of begin to unpack some of the how this works and why it's important. I can see immediately the benefits for working with specific, you know, in a say remedial way with specific sort of injuries, creating more effective or efficient movement patterns for someone who's had challenges in a particular area. But it seems like what you're saying is there's a much larger thing sort of at stake here that when we begin to bring more awareness in general to all of our movements, something starts to change um, that's maybe a bit bigger than that, that. It's not just that we have create more energy efficiency everywhere. You're pointing to something else. And I wonder if you could help me here elaborate a little bit because it feels like we're at the edge of this larger piece here.
2: Well, it's it's actually very vast, so, you know, you, you both are, are great students, you know, lively and finding ways to explore this so immediately. But it is truly vast because as we go through life, we have all kinds of challenges. And, you know, as you just mentioned, we have accidents, injuries, and we have to figure out how to overcome them. And so often in the aging process, or if we've had injuries, We tell ourselves that we have to give things up. Oh, well, now I'm whatever age you are, and I have to give that up now, or I'm not able to learn as well as I was able to learn when I was 25. But through this brief example of efficient movement, you can start to see that you can challenge your belief system, Mm -hmm. that you can do much more than you thought you could do. And this applies to most activities in our lives. We give up too quickly now we so often say that we have a personality and we have propensities, and we can do things and we can't. But when you have a movement experience that demonstrates to you in fifteen minutes or twelve minutes, whatever it was that you can turn farther and it make it easier, and it feel you, you feel more comfortable, well, what else can you make easy? What would you like to learn? What do you want to do? so you can change your life and your Who you think you are, fundamentally?
0: So it's very much about, in a sense, the art of the possible, like that we walk around in these bodies that have been conditioned in a particular way, we're gnarled in this way, and we're kind of bent over in this way, and all our history of accidents and just, but not even accidents, movements, living life, creates a particular pattern that we walk around in imagining that we're, this is our fate. But you're saying that actually, it's more like it's just a habit. And if we can bring more attention into the edge of that carapace that we find ourselves in, then we can start to loosen those edges and start to create new possibilities in how we are.
2: That's right. And you mentioned the word habit. And habit patterns, they're actually in everything that we do. They're in the way that we turn, the way that we see. We have habit patterns of emotional responsivity. Uh, sometimes we say reactivity instead of responding, and we want to respond, not react. Those are habit patterns. We have habit patterns in how we sense ourselves and whether or not we're able to access our sensory motor system. And then we look at cognition or the way that we think and how much our thought processes, are habit patterns. And when you use movement, you impact all of those systems simultaneously. That's pretty mind-boggling when you think about it.
0: It definitely is. Mm-hmm. So to make this concrete, someone who goes into this method for a little bit, um, what in terms of that, expanding the range of the possible, like what kind of things do you hear from your clients and people who work with this modality?
2: Yeah, so let's let's stay with emotional and thought process for a minute. So when you're repeating certain thoughts? And I just like to call them loops. We get into mind loops, right? (laughs) And you you repeat yourself over and over and over. How many times during the day do you have the same loop? And that can be, I mean, it can pertain to anything. It can have to do with somebody who tends to be, you know, kind of low energy. Well, there's a whole habit pattern to that. Um, Oftentimes, uh, people are not exhaling fully. They're not oxygenating. They're not expanding how they see and seeing beyond and far away from themselves. So we want to activate the nervous system so it's awake. And this is this is a great example because most of us have seen a baby waking up. So if you have a baby, say, about three months old, it wakes up and it turns its head right and left and right and left and it looks around and then it's waking up and it's seeing the environment. Well, there's something happening in even the muscles. The back muscles are being activated. They're called extensor muscles, and they make you upright. So if you, if you haven't activated yourself for action, you can feel very low and even withdrawn. So there are movements that are going to create that kind of activation. So you can learn how to state shift. Believe it or not, you're in charge of your own world and you can state shift anytime, anywhere. It's a skill that's learnable.
0: How does one begin to lock this in, I guess, or begin to make these transformations hold? I mean, I can see that you can do an exercise and you bring your attention into For example, the one we just did there, when I brought my attention the way you described and used my imagination the way you described, suddenly I I could really see that my range of motion was expanding and opening up and I was using more of my body and I felt more vital and alive. And I can imagine that um, I will turn my head tomorrow (laughs) and, and the same sort of tragic wooden uh, you know, version of movement will will unfold as I stiffly look to the left. I mean, is it just like any other practice? The more you repeat the possibilities, the more the more the ranges. Or how do you think of this when you're working with people? And what do you say about it?
2: Yeah, um, it varies. Now, sometimes people come in and they've done they've slept wrong and they have you know a pain in their neck and literally one session gets rid of the pain because they remember how to move without activating the pain. Because some pain that we experience is really in your nervous system. It's a memory. Mm -hmm. So you have an injury. It does have to heal. There's inflammation, obviously. Things have to heal. Bones have to heal. But there's a certain point in time where everything's healed and people still feel the pain. And the pain is coming from the movement pattern, no longer the injury. So they can learn. In fact, I have the most amazing results with people that have had hip replacements. It's like they walk in and they've seen this healer and they can't believe it because they'll walk in limping and in pain. I give them one hands-on session or two and they're walking like a typical person would walk again. They're out of the pain pattern. So it, it can be that remarkable. Now, Changing your patterns can be quick like that and you can remember and even you, Jeff, can wake up tomorrow morning and you can just remember what you did today and it will change how you turn your head. You just have to remember. And you you may first turn and go, oh, that wasn't so comfortable. And then you just remember, oh, if I move my feet and my pelvis, whether it's sitting or standing, then the turning of your head and neck is easy again. So that's how easy it can be. To continue to learn the self-mastery that I'm talking about, sure, that takes time because you're learning to observe, sense, feel, and you're changing your brain. But then there's doing the work. So if you take 10 minutes, 15 or 20 a day, just like meditation practices, you're going to find that your life becomes easier and that you become aware of yourself when you're washing the dishes and you adjust yourself. Mm -hmm. So that you're comfortable doing all kinds of simple tasks. And it makes you want to do more because you feel good while you're in activity.
1: For somebody who's just beginning to work with this, is it like 50-50 time off the cushion, time on the cushion? Like if I don't have time to do a full session, you know, can I set the intention to move mindfully through my day and kind of the way that I pick up a fork or the way that I wash my dishes or, you know, walk to the corner store is that enough to make transition or, or is it you have to kind of, you know, be more deliberate about your practice time?
2: I often think of the practice time as your laboratory time. It's like when you're in your own laboratory, you're using your awareness, you're using your attention, you're observing your breathing and you're doing your movements. And then when you get up, you walk around, it immediately transfers. Your walking will be different you're standing and turning, whatever, you go for a run, your running is going to become more efficient immediately. So there's an immediate transfer. But there's no end to how good you can feel. There's no end to how much pleasure you can actually feel. Mm. And we train our self-observation processes toward what feels good. That's a very different kind of awareness. And it also demands... A change in your belief system. Most people think that they have to suffer and feel bad a lot of the time, mm-hmm. or fatigued, or they plan on feeling tired. <laughs> like, I can't do that on Friday because I'm going to be tired.
1: <laughs> totally.
2: Well, maybe you won't be tired. Maybe you're going to feel fantastic, or maybe you do 15 minutes of movement and you feel like a new person and you're ready to rock and roll, you see. So it's this ongoing very subtle wonderful challenge to everything that you assume and you're going to find easier ways to do what you do
0: um Donna, i have a question i'm curious you have been doing this for 35 years uh you 40, are 40 years. 40, years. 40 years so 40 years so you're 40 years older than <laughs> than you were when you began. And, uh, I'm curious. So there's like two things going on. I, want, I, I know it's impossible to answer this question, but a lifetime of doing these movements, how you move now compared to before you began this, like what that experience is like for you, particularly as someone who's also aged along with this. I mean, what could you say about how this is really locked into your bones
2: You know, I, like many people, have had car accidents and have recovered, had a few babies and recovered. And I'm just so grateful to have the Feldenkrais Method to keep me going. I don't feel 66. I could be 26, 36, 46. (laughs) the, The feeling of pleasure and gentle movement is pervasive in my life. Body, mind, you know, emotional processing, engagement with other people. You know, all of it. You just refine yourself as you get older, mm-hmm. and keep the doors opening rather than closing.
0: I love how you talk about pleasure as a yeah. guidedness. That's mm-hmm. really very, very, very interesting. Can you say a little more about that?
2: Well, pleasure, as I said before, comes with how you use your attention. So, if you find that something's difficult or you're feeling uncomfortable, pause, breathe, reorganize yourself, look for the simple way to do what you're doing, and stay within what feels good. And that good feeling actually grows, it gets bigger, and your brain changes, your nervous system changes. And I'll add, I I even have a, a set that I have a few lessons that I created that have to do with human sexuality and sensuality so when you learn how to focus on what feels good to you, it becomes more expansive. You feel it throughout your whole self, and that comes from these gentle movements and reorganizing your brain.
0: It's so interesting. The the pleasure itself becomes a kind of North Star um, in terms of guiding you uh, from moment to moment in how to be. You know, it it reminds me of this, one of the most interesting and meditation instructions, and maybe the most powerful meditation instructions I ever received was in a tantric workshop, a tantric sex mm-hmm. workshop. That I took with my wife. It was very PG's and all, you know, <laughs> clothes on, but it was a lot about breathing and touch and movement. But what the teacher said was, she said, I want you to think of this phrase, I turn myself on when... And she, mm-hmm. she was very interested in unshackling us from this sort of very literal understanding of sexuality as being just a kind of mechanical act itself. But this larger sense of the body as this living, expressive, breathing, creative entity. Mm-hmm. And she said, so when you're walking, I tur-, and, you, and you repeat to yourself, I turn myself on when I walk. Or I turn myself on when I um, turn my head. I turn myself on. Like if you actually do those things in a way that that where that becomes true, and I don't mean that you're like groin forward doing crotch <laughs> shots down the street. I mean, much more like what would it feel like to really enjoy this sort of liquid animal moving body? It is exactly what you said. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, pleasure becomes the guide and it becomes so much more interesting and fun to walk. And you walk better. You walk more efficiently. You walk more intelligently. Mm-hmm. Like it's just. and I think you're giving me the vocabulary here with this Feldenkrais to understand why that could be so.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's funny because there's like, you know, when we, when we think about like sexuality and we say, you know, oh, I'm turned on, it has a totally different connotation than, you know, just 20 minutes ago when we're talking about, you know, oh, we're going to turn on our body or like turn on the leg to turn your head, you know, and realizing that, oh, it's the same thing. It's like, bringing awareness and awake and aliveness to the body. It's turning it on. It's not in this one way sexual and then this other way mechanical. It's kind of the same thing.
2: Yes. And as I'm listening and especially Jeff, what you were saying about turning ourselves on while we're in these uh, activities that are, are part of our daily activities, I began to breathe more freely. So I went, oh, yeah, I can go for a walk and just turn on. And immediately I took a breath and I just felt such comfort while you were describing, you know, all of those possibilities. And I I wonder if our listeners are having that experience. <laughs> yes, yes, I can feel great. I can feel so good and sensual and, and pleasure while I'm doing everything during the course of the day. Why not?
0: Donna Ray? tune in, turn on. <laughs> tune in, turn on. <laughs> so if people wanted to learn more about both you but also some of the free resources that you mentioned out there people are curious about exploring some of these practices uh, can you share any resources uh, with us
2: yeah sure Um, you can go to donna com. that's my website and you can contact me and then i can also hook you up with people if you want somebody you know in your neighborhood or your city i know people in fact all over the world um, i 've done so many feldenkrais training programs it 's quite it 's quite astonishing, so i 'm part of a very large community and i 'd be happy to share that information with you if you 're interested and You know you can always Google the Feldenkrais method and there are um, lectures and lessons on YouTube. I have some presentations there myself, and you can even see examples of uh, of me giving lessons to people hands on lessons if you want to see what that looks like. So uh, there's a lot of information out there.
1: Awesome. Is there anything that we didn't bring up or didn't mention that you want to share?
2: I think we were amazingly thorough.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Covered a lot of ground.
2: I think we, I think we did a phenomenal uh, job touching on so many aspects of the Feldenkrais method and also what it means to be a human being alive and awake and aware and, And searching, you know, being on this path of self discovery and seeing how we can bring it to others.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next week for a whole new adventure.